After a, a long three weeks, the SBI show is back. I am Jared Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarcep, who survived Brazil and is alive. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. I am back. I'm back in the U.S. I, I survived Brazil. Uh, it was an amazing experience, to say the least. And, uh, you know, we're ready to roll. I needed a little bit of time off, but I'm back. And I think I think our, our listeners uh, have waited long enough. It's been three weeks, apparently, since the last episode. So it's about time to get back on it. I've waited long enough. I was concerned that you met a third family down there and was considering staying. <laughs> third family. Because, you know, you got your one in New York, the one in Portland. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, no, I don't think I can get down to, to uh, Brazil enough time. I do have family there. I do actually have quite a bit of family in Brazil, that, and I did spend time with them, which was great. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think I'm going to have a third family. Uh, well, Ivis, you and I have a jam-packed show today. Lots to talk about. Lots to get to. Uh, we got to talk international news, Major League Soccer, All Star Game, tons and tons and tons of things to talk about. Various topics that we've missed over the last couple of weeks. But before we get to all of that, though, um, Brazil. Uh, how was it, man? Germany, World Cup final champions. They looked outstanding throughout the whole World Cup, looked like the most consistent team. But just uh, overall, man, I mean, how, how did you enjoy Brazil? And then just uh, just thoughts on it, man. Well, it was a great World Cup. You know, I, I think for me, in terms of the gameplay and in terms of the atmosphere, it's, you know, it, I think it's, it's my fourth World Cup. And of the four, uh, I think this probably was the best in terms of atmosphere and uh, the the action and the suspense in the games and you have to give the Brazilian fans a lot of credit because they really brought the energy and excitement to the games and and you and not just the games that Brazil played in but all the games uh, and you really saw the the kind of neutral Brazilian fans uh, bring that energy to every game and, and I think that's why in the group stages you saw a lot of high scoring games you saw some great soccer, you, you know, the Brazilians, I'll tell you what, if, if you were, if you were playing negative soccer or if you weren't mm-hmm. playing good soccer, they booed you. They let you know, like, you got to step it up. This is not acceptable. And I think that sparks some teams on to really step their game up. And, and it was great. The tournament was great. I think the U S did well. The U S uh, earned a lot of respect. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people that I've talked to, not just Americans, but uh, people from around the world, the sense that I get is that, this U.S. team earned some respect, and, and and you know could could it have been a better tournament? Sure, but I think they did well. They obviously got out of the group of death, mm-hmm. and you know losing to Belgium was tough, and being dominated the way they were was tough to see. But I think there is some progress made there, and I know some people will say, "Is it progress if you make it to the same point uh, that you made it last World Cup? Is it progress?" And absolutely, it was progress mm-hmm. because when it comes down to it, I, I think, and I, I don't know, the, the last show was so long ago. I don't know if we touched on it, but when it comes down to it, this. To get out of that group uh, is an accomplishment in itself, and and hopefully now in the in four years' time, wherever the World Cup is, Russia or wherever, if it gets moved, where, wherever it is, uh, you'd like to think you'd like to see hopefully the U.S. take another step forward. Oh, and that was well, we, we and I believe we did touch on this, but but that was kind of the one thing that you and I talked about was I mean this is the first time. In, in the history of the U.S. at the World Cup for them to advance out of the group stage in consecutive World Cups, obviously, they do in 2010. So, look, it, it's we're, we're not going to be world beaters. And, and I think that for everyone who watched the World Cup, you saw the quality that, that Colombia has with James Rodriguez. I mean, Germany, just skilled technical players. I mean, just no weaknesses on those teams. And, look, the U.S. is a good team, but it, it just showed that we're not – we're not there yet. We're getting there. We're inching there, but it's still going to take some time to get there. But the positives, as we said, to get out of the group, back-to-back World Cups. Um, I mean, before we move on, though, Ivis, any other thoughts on the on the World Cup? I mean, were, were you impressed with 
with Germany? I mean, how disappointed were you with Brazil's exit? I mean, what are your just final thoughts on, on everything within Brazil? Well, I'd say as far as uh, Brazil goes, I mean, you know, when you go and have when you have to face Germany without your two best players, I mean, that's already a tough one as it is. And you know what? Who know they they, they don't? I'm not saying they would have won if they had Neymar and Thiago Silva, but I think that definitely exposed them even more. Uh, uh, they they definitely weren't the team we saw at the Confederations Cup, and I think that that uh, you know the, the, it was a little fool's goal there. They they played really well in the in the Confederations Cup and and, and had a lot of people thinking, and myself included that they could go on a nice run, but credit to Germany, Germany, very, very good team, top to bottom, such great balance. Yogi Lowe made all the right moves, uh, adjusting the team. Obviously he had Philip Lahm in the midfield at, at early on in the tournament. And he realized that he needed to move him to the back to right back. And, and that worked out for him. And for me, the best, the best player of the tournament. And I know there's, there was a lot of debate about this, you know, Lionel Messi won the award. A lot of people thought James Rodriguez should have won the award. But for me, the most important player in the tournament was Manuel Neuer uh, because of what he helps Germany do and what he does at, from the goalkeeping position. I mean, it's like having an extra defender back there, uh, just the ground that he covers. I mean, I, I saw a stat where he had more passes completed than, than a pretty long list of, of accomplished star players. So, I mean, when, with, with what he's able to do, not, and I, we're not even talking about the saves that he makes, the amazing saves that he makes. Uh, but just his command of the penalty, his command of the penalty area, his command of, of of the aerial game, and his passing, and 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 his ability to cover so much ground and provide so much support for the back four of Germany, that allows Germany to do so many things. Uh, it allows them to press up, fo- press up higher, uh, give less room for opposing uh, attacks to work in. Uh, so for me, it, it, was it realistic to think he could he was going to win? No, he wasn't even in the in the in the among the finalists, which I thought was pretty hilarious. But for me, I think he meant more to them than anyone else on that team. Well, okay, speaking of goalkeepers, what's up with the disrespect to Tim Howard not even being on the finalist list for goalkeeper of the tournament? I mean, come on, what's up with that? He he shouldn't have been on the list. It's it's reality, right? I mean, he look Tim Howard was amazing against Belgium. Now, if you want to give an award for best. In best one game performance by a goalkeeper, yes, Tim Howard, hats off. The guy was unbelievable against Belgium. But if we're talking about for the entire tournament, he was not one of the top three goalkeepers in this tournament. And, and he just wasn't. Uh, but you know, the, but the to guy, not even be on the shortlist for well, it, though? Well, I mean, come on. Sli- well, there, there, there were a lot of great goalkeeping performances in this tournament. First of all, Manuel Neuer is a lock. He, he won the award, he deserved it, he was the best by far. But then you have Kaylor Navas from Costa Rica. You get a team to the quarterfinals, you win a penalty shootout. You deserve to be on that list, and he absolutely deserved to be on that list. Uh, the one player that I know some people had questions about, Sergio Romero from Argentina. Look, Romero, you know he isn't a, uh, considered a star goalkeeper, but he played well in this tournament. He made the saves he had to make to get them to the final. He played well, and even if you don't put him on there, I don't think Tim Howard is the next guy. I think Claudio Bravo from Chile was great. I think you can put him on there. So, uh, and Hugo Lloris from France also had a great tournament. There were quite a few guys. So, you know what? Tim Howard was great. Absolutely, Belgium. That that's a game that'll go down in history. But for me, no, he, he didn't. He wasn't a guy. I mean, at the end of the day, if you win, if you only have one win as a goalkeeper, as a goalkeeper, you only won one match at the, in, in the World Cup. Do you really? Are you really one of the top three? And I know that's not his fault, obviously, but like he. I don't know. Like I, I, there were just so many good goalkeeping performances that 
you, know, you can definitely make the argument that there were probably at least three and maybe four or five guys ahead of him. What's wrong with you? Why can't you just be pro-America? I'm just, as I always say, I just, I just like to keep I, I, it I, I almost got you right there. I just like to keep it real, man. I just like to keep it Look, Tim Howard's great. He, and it's funny, man. He, he earned himself a lot mm. of respect and a lot of uh, you know, recognition and well-deserved, well right? I mean, he was unbelievable against Belgium. It was like watching Neo in the Matrix uh, with all the saves he was making. Um, but you know what? There, there were just, you know, for people who watched a lot more than just the U.S. games, I think you saw a tournament where there were some unbelievable goalkeeping performances. I mean, uh, Memo Ochoa against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent Inyama for Nigeria, you know, did well at times. Uh, Mboli uh, from, uh, from Algeria also did well. So, they, I mean, there were a lot of lot of good performances in goalkeepers. So, you know what, Tim Howard, I he didn't make he wasn't in a, he wasn't a finalist, but I, I, he still came away from this World Cup with a lot of respect. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, Tim Howard, top top goalkeeper in the Premier League. You know, hopefully. Uh, Woke some people's eyes up to again how good Tim Howard's been for Everton over the last uh, last couple of seasons, especially this past season. I mean, he was outstanding for them. I mean, the, the one thing I was uh, that that fans, especially in America, were obviously paying attention to to the World Cup is what guys were going to have solid tournaments that they could eventually translate that into a move overseas. We haven't really seen that though. But two guys who were on the U.S. men's national team that have translated the World Cup into new contracts: Matt Beasler, Graham Zuzzi, signing. DP contracts with Sporting Kansas City. I think it's outstanding to see them in the league. What are your thoughts on these two guys staying and, and pretty much closing out their careers with with Sporting Kansas City and Major League Soccer? Well, I don't know if you should assume that this means they're closing their careers out. You never assume that. Oh, come on. Beezer's going to be over 30. You think someone's going to take him? Oh, I'm sorry, a European yeah. side? You do realize that just because a player signs a contract doesn't mean they can't still be transferred. No, that's true. That's true. Like, that doesn't mean anything. That's true. But, uh, you know what? For me, I was a little. I, I, I'll admit, I was a little disappointed um, that Beasley didn't go overseas. I wouldn't say he made a mistake because, uh, again, it, it boils down to to what uh, the options are. And as much as any, I, I'm sure a lot of people would like to have seen him go overseas. At the end of the day, if the options aren't there, or or the kind of options that would make it worth his while, or or, or would make him leave his hometown team didn't present themselves, then then you can't blame him for staying home, right? For staying put. He signs a designated player deal. He he, he can uh, you know move that one step closer to being a career one-team player. And maybe that does happen for him. As far as Zussi goes, you know, I, I didn't think he was, you know, someone who was going to go overseas. Uh, based on, on his World Cup, he was going to have to have a pretty good World Cup to, to really spark that interest. And he just didn't really have that tournament. He didn't really have a good World Cup. So, you know what? You'd like to see uh, a player like him, you know, be rewarded with a, with, a, with a contract that he has played and earned. And we're talking about a guy who, you know, was really unheralded coming out of college. I mean, he was he you know, he won a national title, but he was a second round draft. pick. He didn't start right away. He earned that contract step by step, becoming a starter, becoming a star, becoming a national team player. Mm-hmm. So you like seeing that progression. But for me, I, I'd say Beasler. Like I wanted to see him go overseas because I think he would do well. I think I think Beasler. If Beasler, if he was given the opportunity, I think he could have gone to England. I think he could have gone to Germany. I think he could have gone to Italy. And I think he would start and play well in in those leagues. Like I think he's that good. I think he's good enough. He could have done it. And unfortunately, you know, you get, you have a situation where he's 27. And European teams just aren't going to yep. offer huge money for a 27-year-old player. And that's, uh, you know, that's just the reality of it. So, I mean, if he was 24, I guarantee you the money would have been, been there to make a deal happen. 
Um, and I know some people will look at it and say, oh, he made a mistake. He should have gone overseas. But that's easy to say without knowing what the offers mm-hmm. were. I know there was talk of Sunderland. There was talk of Fulham. But you don't know. You know, you, we don't know what the offers were. We don't know how realistically uh, a, a transfer could have even happened. Yep. I mean, just because Sunderland was interested doesn't mean they were going to pay the money that it was going to take to get him. And it doesn't mean they were going to pay Beezer the money that was going to make him want to go. So, uh, you know what? I would like to have seen him go. But now that he stays in MLS, you want to see what he can do and how he can develop. Uh, you know, and, and if he can keep KC as the top team in the league. And, and he has, he's not off to a great start. He got a red card this weekend. But he, yeah, uh, yeah, red, yeah not, officiating in that game was. Mm. Yeah, the second yellow was the suspect, I, I thought. I thought Dominic Aduro completely flopped on that but i digress beasler uh it's great for mls fans you keep him yep. in the league he's the best defender in the league and uh you know who knows maybe if he uh if he keeps playing well maybe in a year you get some other teams showing some more interest but i would like to have seen him go overseas but i i, I wouldn't sit here and say he made some tragic mistake and i know some people are saying that yeah i don't it, i don't but, get that either but it's it yeah you know what it is that's it's easy to say without knowing what was there because it's one thing if like you know uh, I don't know. So, like, if Arsenal came in and offered, you know, offered him, be, uh, offered to pay the transfer and offered the money, and, the, and he turned that down. But that that wasn't what was on the table. The, the, you know, the, these these weren't big clubs no. that, that were that were stepping up, and we don't, and we also don't know if they were they were ready to pay the transfer fees to teams that weren't. Well, when you, so. and, you, well, you got to look at the two teams in in England, especially. I mean, Sunderland. I mean, they had to fight to stay in the Premier League. Fulham just went down, and just, you know, as a guy like you said, twenty-seven years old, does he want to go out there and fight for his life? When I mean, he has a pretty good thing going in Sporting Kansas City, top of the table, team could win another championship this year. Star there, star in the city. I mean, there's a lot of positives for him to stay. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, he he he's he's enjoying a great career. Uh, he the past two years, past year and a half, have been unbelievable for him. I mean, when you think about it, the past eighteen months. Yeah, uh, have been a whirlwind for him. So, like anyone who wants to bash him for this, for making this move and making this deal, uh, I think is a little short sighted. I, I understand because I'm in, the, I, I'm in the same boat in that I would like to have seen him go over there, uh, go overseas and play in one of the top leagues because I, I personally think he would do well. I think he would absolutely uh, hold his own. He'd be a starter. I have no doubt about that. But you know what? It didn't work out, and uh, hopefully now. He can continue to be a star in MLS. Yeah, I think he will be. I mean, look, playing in MLS, is, as much as everyone wants to dog on it, it shows that you don't lose quality. I mean, most of the guys on the U.S. team did play in Major League Soccer this past season, and some guys like Clint Dempsey did score two goals in the World Cup, so it's not in terms of going down a level, which I also saw people complaining about that too, which I, I think is just absolutely absurd uh, for people to be doing that. Um, speaking of... Defenders, Ivis, DeAndre Yedlin, lots of uh, talk, lots of rumors, lots of speculation on where he'd be going. One of the clubs it looks like for the most part is Roma, um, but but that's not done. I mean, nothing is really done right now. I mean, what's the latest on, on DeAndre Yedlin? And I mean, would it be wise for a player at his age to move over to Europe right now? Uh, well, as far as I understand it, there is no deal in place. No deal has been made. No contract signed. I know there's reports circulating. It's funny how it's funny seeing the uh, you know the information and slash misinformation uh, making the rounds. I mean, you you've seen the, the full spectrum. You've seen uh, a deal's happening. A deal happened. A deal isn't happening. Like it, it's 
you know, these things are always fluid. So there's always the, the possibility of things changing. But based on what I've heard and, and the people that I've talked to, uh, there's also been some just flat out just misinformation making the rounds. And right now, uh, I know AS Roma is interested. I know AS Roma is in conversations. But to say a deal is done is is a stretch. Um, it could get done, but it's not a case of uh, it's there, there's formalities. No, there, there, there's a ways to go here if a deal is going to get done, mm-hmm. and that's an if, not a when. Um, now, uh, is it a good time for him to go? I, I mean, you know what? He's 20 years old. He just had a great World Cup. You kind of look at it and say, you know what? Is 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 there going to be a better opportunity for him to move at this point in his career? Why not have a go at it? And 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 if if Roma is going to pay the money that it will take, if they're going to invest in a player like him, a club like that, I mean that's a pretty big club, right? So you can understand why you know he would take that deal. And there are a lot of teams interested in him. Uh, there's a pretty good list of of, of uh, leagues in Europe where there are teams interested in him. You talk, uh, obviously Serie A. There's interest in England. There's interest in France, in the Netherlands, uh, Germany. So. Uh, I, right now, Roma looks like the front runner, but nothing is done yet. Uh, I'd like to see him go, just because you, you want to see uh, the whole the sink or swim aspect. Will he be able to find his footing there? Uh, he impressed me at the World Cup. I yeah. tell you what, I, I didn't think he, I didn't think he'd see a minute. And not only did he play, but he actually played well and played with confidence, and he was fearless. And and you know, does it mean he's going to actually? Uh, hit the ground running in Europe if you were to go to Europe. No, nah, I think that might be a stretch. Anyone thinking that he's going to step in and be a starter for AS Roma, that's a little ambitious to say the least. But, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him get that opportunity because uh, it's there for him. He had, the, he had the Great World Cup. He turned heads. And now is, you, you get you, he has a chance to jump on that and, and ride that wave and maybe go on a big transfer. So I'd like to see him go. Uh, but if he doesn't go, hey, you know what? Have him stay in MLS a couple years, let him develop, and then you have the Olympics in two years, and then mm-hmm. and then maybe he can impress there and make a move. So he's only 20 years old, folks. Oh, actually, he turned 21, right? Did he turn 21? He turned 21. He's 21. He just turned 21. So there is no rush. But if there's big money on the table, you can understand why uh, you know, he'd, he'd want to make a deal happen. Yes, he is 21. He turned 21, I was on July 9th. And uh, one more final guy that we need to talk about is uh, Jermaine Jones. I was, he keeps teasing us with all these MLS like you know things on Twitter and Instagram, and now he's doing all these like celebrity photos on Instagram. I keep saying Instagram, but uh, I mean, what's the deal? When, when is Jermaine Jones going to sign with someone like <clears throat> the New England Revolution who desperately need a, need a midfielder? Don't go name dropping teams now. I mean, we, you know, as far, I tell you what, the sense <laughs> that I get, this, uh, everybody knows. That he wants to come to MLS, and 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 I've covered that topic pretty thoroughly. I wrote the piece during the World Cup about it, about how he's really kind of maneuvering to make a move. Now the problem is, you know, he you can't blame him if he feels like he should make you know a couple of million dollars a year uh, when guys like Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley are making in the six million dollar range. And he's and you know, if you're Jermaine Jones, you look at it and you say, hey, I was I was better or as as either of those guys at the World Cup. Where's my big contract? And I don't even want $6 million. Give me $2 million, right? But that's the problem. Uh, a, a midfielder in his 30s <coughs> coming over for $2 million, uh, you know, for, uh, how many teams want to pay $2 million <coughs> for a defensive midfielder? That's the question. And I don't think there are that many teams that are ready to line up to make that move. So I think that's the problem. As much as he wants to come here, as much as he is desperate to come to America and play in America, 
and live in America. I, I just think uh, unless he <clears throat> backs off the salary demands or, 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 or you know, kind of swallows his pride and says, you know what, I wanted to make the millions, but I, I want to live in L.A. I'll play for Chivas, even if it's not a, you know, for big money uh, or, you know, any of these other any any. You know other potential uh, destination in, in MLS, but uh, if he holds on to that two million dollar price tag or or whatever he's asking, I know he's asking for seven figures. <clears throat> if he stands by that, I tell you what, I don't think he's going to play in MLS. Speaking of Major League Soccer, right now several of the top European clubs are in America right now, preparing for their upcoming seasons. In Europe, you have Manchester City, Liverpool, Milan, Manchester United, Real Madrid, so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this past weekend, though, New York Red Bulls defeated Arsenal. Can you believe it, Ivis? An MLS side defeated an English Premier League side. Stop the presses. How shocked were you by this? Settle down. It was a friendly Arsenal. Miss, they were missing all their best players. <laughs> <laughs> they, and, they didn't, and then the ones that they brought didn't even play the whole game. I mean, these games don't mean anything. <laughs> and no result means anything. It doesn't matter if an MLS team wins 1-0 or loses 7-0. It doesn't matter. It doesn't none of these th- none of these matches are a referendum on anything. And and the people that try to to this point still do that. I mean, come on folks. It's been a few years now. We've had these games. We should know by now. They don't mean a thing. These European teams are here on preseason. It's their it's part of their their build up to their upcoming seasons. And then when you talk about a team like Arsenal, I mean they don't even have a lot of their best players who are still you know on vacation from the yeah. World Cup. Yeah, Mesut Ozil, Podolski, Murdasaker. Um, they just signed Alexis Sanchez. He's not there. They're, they're signed Kadira. He's not there. Uh, so you know, take it easy, right? I mean, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's <laughs> nice to see, right? I'm sure if you're a Red Bulls fan and you're at the game. And, and, and your team wins, you're happy. I'm not saying don't be happy, but people who try to look at it one way or the other, either way, it, 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 the Red Bulls beating Arsenal doesn't mean anything. Galaxy losing to, to Man United 7-whatever it was, 7-1, seven, 7-0. Seven, seven to zero. They touchdown. They scored a touchdown. It doesn't matter. Because you know what? Man United is better than the Galaxy. That's not news, folks. That's not, there's no news flash there. They're better than the Galaxy. The Galaxy, obviously, they have their own season to worry about, so they're not, you know... They're, well, the Galaxy they're... also stuck out, like, they had, like, a rookie center. I, can't, I don't remember the whole lineup, but they had so many players out of position in that game. Right, so you it doesn't mean anything. You, you, can't, you can't put so much in these games. So you, you, what you can do is watch them and see how certain players do. Like, you could get a younger player, you know, kind of stepping up and really trying to show well. But, again, like, these players, these European players... They're here on preseason. They're early. On, they're in the early part of their preseason. So I mean, how fit are they? How informed are they? What are they really going to put into these games? Are they really going to cha- go in hard on challenges and and really, really like it's like it doesn't mean a thing. It's great to watch. It's entertaining. Hope you hope it's entertaining. Like the 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 Roma Man U game in in Colorado. Where you yeah, that was a good game. Wayne Wayne Rooney Golasso and the Miralem Pjanic goal from sixty yards away. Like you know what? It's entertainment, man. You get your popcorn. You watch the game and it's and it's a friendly, it's casual, but the whole you know you know MLS has arrived or MLS still sucks. Like all this, <laughs> when, when people when people start to make these proclamations based on results, you just have to laugh at these people because I feel like the only people who still do that are are the are the kind of the lunatic fringes. Which you have the you have the lunatic fringe that's like MLS is, is there where MLS is, is just as good as the Premier League. I don't know how many people like that there are and if there are 
you got to you got to come up for some air. Uh, and then the other end of the spectrum, the, the people who just want to crap on MLS any chance they get and say how bad it is. Look, MLS is a, is far from finished product. MLS is still a ways away from the Premier League, from the Bundesliga, from from uh, La Liga. Uh, no one disputes that. Right. Um, well, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of funny when Manchester United scored seven on Galaxy and then went up three zero on Roma, and everyone started to say that, "Oh, no, Luis Van Gaal is the second coming." Manchester United, everything has changed. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's two freaking games in yeah, the preseason. No, it, it, yeah. So it, I, honestly, I, don't, I mean, okay, are there? I don't think there's that many people putting too much into these games. Obviously, you're gonna have a few here and there who are a little it's funny, man. <laughs> disconnected from reality but it, it's you know what it, it is what it is getting back to the red bulls game i was at the red bulls arsenal game uh and, and obviously it was you know it was terry on day right you know you had all the arsenal fans mm-hmm. there and they, and they were happy to see their team arsenal's first trip to the us in 25 years uh it was the terry on show i mean he you know he assisted he helped set up the goal the only goal of the game but for your average american fan the most important part of this game was having a chance to see Gideon Zellum in action. And, you know, for mo- a lot of people hadn't seen him play yet. So it was a good chance to watch him. He played 45 minutes. He didn't do a lot. He had, he had some touches, he had good touches here and there. He was playing out of position that should be pointed out. He was playing on the right wing. He's more of a central midfielder. Uh, he looked a little tentative at times, but he also, you know, he had some good touches. He, I wouldn't say he looked out of place. Uh, and the fact that he didn't look completely out of place, and he's a 17-year-old who was playing in America a year and a half ago, uh, playing youth soccer in America a year and a half ago, <clears throat> that's pretty impressive. So, you know, I had a chance to talk to him after the game. You know, he talked to the media, and, and everybody wanted to know what's going on with his nationality and his, 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 which national teams he's going to play for. He hasn't made a decision yet. He's, uh, USA and Germany are in the ballpark. Um, he does not have a U.S. passport yet. It's in the works. Uh, and right now, we still don't know. It's a waiting game. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann is, I'm sure, it was funny. After the game, Jurgen Klinsmann, of course, tweets out how it was good to see Zell and play 45 minutes. So, like, he's he's on top of it. You know, you know Klinsmann. His, rec- his recruiting game is strong. Dude, he doesn't. He, Klinsmann does not stop recruiting, man. <laughs> he does not. So, you know what? It, it was good to see Zell play uh, in person and uh, as much as you could take away from a friendly like that and a, him playing out of position. Um, and ho- hopefully we get to see a little bit more of him. Though I would I would tell folks that, that already want to kind of cr- anoint the kid as like a um, uh, superstar or, or you know, he's going to be the guy. Like, it's early still, right? He's not the finished product yet. He's probably not going to play much at all for Arsenal this year. Who knows what they're going to do with him? Are they going to loan him out? You know, because, I mean, let's face it, they're stacked. Arsenal's stacked, especially in the midfield uh, with all the options they have. Like, he's not going to see playing time there. He's not. So, uh, but it bears watching. It bears watching. The Olympics are in two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? We'll see uh, We'll see what kind of decision he makes between now and then. And I think he will make a decision between now and then. Well, as you point out, I mean, think about this. He's playing in the Dallas Cup, like you said, last in 2013, which is insane. I mean, he's also born in 19... It freaks me out that there's going to be kids who are coming up now who are, like, born in 2000. I mean, I'm not old, but, man, Ivis, that has to make you feel really old. Ah, come on, man. I, already, <laughs> I've, I, I have already felt old for a little while. You should be starting to feel old by now. I'm starting to. I mean, I see this born in 1997. Jeez, that is... Crazy. Um, I did appreciate though all the U.S. fans though with the welcome home and USA chants and all that. So hey, Jurgen's recruiting and so are the fans. Good job, USA fans. Um, also, uh, Henri, the, the retirement talk and all that. Obviously, I mean, 
I, I still think he can play a couple more seasons in Major League Soccer. I, I think it's kind of premature. What are your t- what's your take on this? Oh, he's going to be 37 in a couple of weeks, and uh, his contract expires at the end of the year. Um, so we, we shouldn't rule it out. I mean, we shouldn't rule out the possibility that Henri decides, you know what? I've had enough. I've had a long career. It's time to stay and spend time with my family. Um, but, you know, it, it, based on his reaction uh, when he was kind of told, uh, basically for those who missed it, Gerard Houllier, uh told some media after the game that, you know, he thinks Henri is going to retire or he, he thinks he could see him retiring. That's Henri sounded a little surprised by that, but he didn't deny it. So uh, I think all that should say is you at least have to consider that possibility. And if, if it happens, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens with the Red Bulls because, I mean, he's really become the face of that team, face of that franchise. And now you've got New York City FC with Lampard and Villa. Orlando City's coming in with Kaká. And, 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 you know, what's going to happen? Who, who would the Red Bulls turn to uh, to kind of become the new face? I know, look, Tim Cahill's there. Tim Cahill's great. But Tim Cahill isn't really like that kind of top billing type of guy. He's not on Henri's level as far as a superstar. He's not on uh, Lampard's level either as far as world star uh, superstar is concerned. So it would be very interesting to see what where, where the Red Bulls would turn uh, if they lost Henri, not only marketing-wise, but on the field-wise, because Henri is yeah. still the straw. He's still the straw that stirs the drink for those who you know don't watch the Red Bulls regularly. I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips has a, a boatload of goals, but a lot of those goals are being set up by Henri. Uh, Henri and, is the MVP for the New York Red Bulls. No doubt about it. So you know that's the crazy part is that uh, even though he even though he's almost thirty seven years old, he still has that quality. He could play another couple years, but the question is, does he want to play another couple years? Because uh, just because he can still do it doesn't mean he wants to do it. He's been doing this for a long time. I mean, I, we're talking 20 years now that he's been a professional. So he's got family. He's got a young son. He obviously has a daughter in 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 England that he you know probably I'm sure he'd like to spend more time with. So that's the things that that he's going to have to think about at the end of the year. Um, but you know what? If he does leave, it's gonna be there's it's gonna be some big shoes to fill at the Red Bulls. Uh, to give you an idea, Bradley Wright Phillips has 17 goals this season. Um, Henri has 10 assists. Not that I'm saying that Henri has 10 of those 17 goals assists, but I mean, without a doubt, if you watch every New York Red Bulls game, Henri is always setting up Bradley Wright Phillips continuously in every single game. Without him, I mean, New York would. Yeah, well, you just said it, Ivis. They would not be that good. Well, they're already not that good. That's well, they'd be worse. They would be. They're like mediocre right now. And if he left, it's like, wow, what would happen? And and again, you could say you point out that Henri has 10 assists, but. That even that number doesn't tell the whole story of of the attention that he draws. Yeah. Uh, you know whether you know the plays that he makes that leads to you know things like penalties and and, and all that. Like he he is you know he is so important to what they do and and he he's pretty irreplaceable. I don't know. I don't even know where, where they would turn uh, if they have to make if they have to fill that void this uh, this offseason. Uh, well, you talk about teams filling a void. Some teams did that this past week. New York C, I'm sorry, NYC FC. There you go. Uh, they went out. They made it official, Ivis. They brought in their second big DP signing, bringing in Frank Lampard. Uh, what do you think of uh, this move for New York to go out and get him? Well, it's huge. It's huge because I still think he brings a lot of quality to the table. I think he can still play at a good level, and I think he'll come in MLS and be a top player. Uh, and he's also he, he's a, he's, he's a guy you can market. He's got the looks. He's got the name recognition. You could put his face on billboards. 
Uh, he's going to bring some casual fans to the to the games, I believe. And uh, he's here for the right reasons. You know, he wants to come here. He wants to play. He he doesn't see this as a retirement league by any means, even though his former teammate uh, Ashley Cole seems to think MLS is a retirement league. Um, but no, Lampard, I think he could do really well. And him and Villa, that's a great uh, you know set of cornerstones. Uh, for that franchise, and again, like I like I just said, that's going to put a little pressure on the Red Bulls, especially if Terry Henry retires. Oh, I think also Lampard. I mean, I saw some people saying that, oh, you know, he's not going to fit into Jason Christ's system and stuff like that. I think this is going to be great for Jason Christ and what he's going to do out there. I mean, I, I think people need to re- the whole system thing. Like, I think Jason Christ is a smart enough coach. Yeah, that he, I don't. He's not a. I he I I have not seen anything where he has said that he is married to a specific system. I think he's a smart enough manager that he will fit. He will tailor his uh, system to the players that he has, and I think that's any, what any good coach, any good manager does. And you know what? If you have Lampard as one of your cornerstones, one of yeah. your designated players, you're not going to play a diamond, right? Because Lampard's not suited for the diamond. Because Lampard is not a playmaker. Lampard's a box, more of a box-to-box midfielder. So you're probably going to see either a four-two-three-one or a four-four-two. Uh, out of uh, NYCFC once they start up. So, you know, I wouldn't put too much into that. Jason Christ has used the 4-2-3 run a few times in RSL. Just throwing that out there, Ivis. Uh, also, it, it became official the last couple weeks. Kaká to Orlando City is done. Um, I, I think that's a great signing for Orlando City. Who, uh, I mean, look, Orlando City, we all know what they had to go through to get into Major League Soccer, jumping over hoops. And, I mean, dude, what, what a big-time signing for them to uh, bring in Kaká for the first year in uh, Major League Soccer next season. I like it. I like it a lot, and and it's funny because I I, did, I have seen some people say that they don't think Kaká has it anymore. That he's not he's going to be a flop or he's not going to do well. <clears throat> Is Kaká the World Player of the Year level player that he was one, at one point? No, he's not that player, but he still has so much quality, so much like his vision, his creativity. Like he will, he will. I, I'm going to go on record. I absolutely believe he will be an impact player in the league. I think he will thrive in the league i think he'll he'll be a, a you know a, a great attacking player in this league i still think he has it and i think people who think he's you know somehow will struck will not play well in mls i absolutely think he will uh put it down you can mark it down here episode 153 of the sbi show we can talk in a year from now when he's crushing it uh i think he'll do well having said that orlando city needs to build around him as well they need to go get some more uh talent to help him out because you know you you, you got to have you know, some support for him. They're, they're obviously trying to get Robinho. If they get Robinho, that's huge because obviously Kaká and Robinho, they, they go way back. They've they've played together for years. They have that understanding, and I think they'd be great, great. They'd be like, you know, right off the bat, one of the best tandems in the league. So hopefully Orlando City, you know, does use all three of their DP slots and brings in that kind of quality that's going to attract fans to their games. Also, um some news coming out of uh, Major League Soccer, coming out of Vancouver. Jay Demerit is retiring. It's kind of crazy and sad to see him retiring um i mean he'll be a guy obviously that that will probably you know serve as an ambassador for the league and, and hopefully inspire guys that keep chasing their dreams for where he came from to to where he finished his career but uh just sad day to see jay demerit uh, hanging up the cleats yeah i mean obviously the injuries uh took their toll and uh it, it just became too much for him uh but i mean you're still talking about a guy who when you when you look at stories uh, a play the story of a player his story, his rise from, you know, the lower, the lowest possible reaches of of, of uh, English soccer, to playing in the Premier League and 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 realizing his dream and and playing in the World Cup, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty inspiring story um, and one that you know I don't know if we'll see another one like that again. 
so it, it, it's unfortunate, but obviously injuries, you know, they, so you've seen it through the years that some players that uh, the injury bug just catches it up and father and father time catches up. So, uh, you know, I, I still think he walks away with a pretty damn impressive uh, uh, career. And, and he's going to, you know, he's the, the legend of Jay Demerit is going to go on for a while as mm. people remember that story and, and, and how far he came. Well, this past weekend, we had Major League Soccer play. I feel like it's been a year since you and I talked about Major League Soccer, but we have it back. Portland, on Sunday night, defeated the Montreal Impact 3-2, took a uh, a late 82nd-minute goal from Diego Valeri to put the home side through. Portland now back-to-back wins. I got to say, Montreal, for, for being one of the worst teams in the league, I thought they looked pretty good against RSL the other day, gave Portland some fits in this game. Uh, Portland, Ivis, these are games that they have to win, in which they did, to get back into the playoff picture. And uh, for Portland, two games in a row, man, climbing up that ladder in the Western Conference. Obviously a big win for them. And uh, uh, Diego Valeri, once again, getting the job done. But look, for me, I tell you what, Don Zignagby, the guy absolutely is one of the most exciting players to watch in the league, and he never disappoints. And it, it, it's, it's funny because it's almost equal parts entertainment and equal parts scary watching him play. You, <laughs> you're constantly in fear of, of, of some defender just taking him out and, like, injuring him uh, just with so, some of the challenges that he faces, uh, just with his, his, his moves and his speed. It leaves defenders looking pretty stupid, and a lot of times you get these challenges that are just, just not good challenges. And, uh, you know, credit credit to them, credit to Valeri. And it was nice to see Rodney Wallace get in on the action there. Mm-hmm. He, helped, he helped set up the winning goal there for Valeri. And Portland folks, I, I, they're going to be in the playoffs. I, I'm going to, you know, I know they're not in the playoffs yet, but I really see them putting it together and really finishing out the regular season strong. And they're going to be there. They're going to be there in, in, in the postseason, and, and they're going to make some noise. And they're not going to be. They're going to not. They're not going to be a team. Team uh, people are going to want to have to face in the playoffs. On Saturday, Sporting Kansas City. 10 men, excuse me, Sporting Kansas City on the road, defeated Toronto FC. Toronto had multiple opportunities in this game. Jackson scores the opening goal for them. And then after that, they just could not find the back of the net. Yet Dominic Aduro, which we haven't talked about that trade, he had an opportunity. Nick Haglin had an opportunity. Red card to Beezer, we could talk about that a little bit. Bradley sounds off in this game, but Ivis, the point is Sporting Kansas City on the road with 10 men came back and defeated Toronto FC. And Kansas City, dude, they once again showing why they are the top in the league right now. <clears throat> they find they always find a way. And uh, <clears throat> when Matt Beasley got uh, got sent off, it, it really looked like okay, here it is. Toronto FC is going to you know, pull out the victory. And you know, if you're Ryan Nelson and you're TFC, you have to pre- be pretty disgusted with the fact that you didn't get even a point out of a game where you really had much more of the play, many more chances. Uh, Dominic Aduro. Uh, was a terror for them. And his, the thing with Aduro, man, he's so funny because, you know, he has these games where he looks unbelievable. He has these games where the guy looks like he should be playing in the Champions League, where he looks just unstoppable. The speed is there. The touch is there. He, and he looks the part. He looks absolutely looks the part. But the problem is he doesn't do that consistently enough. Mm-hmm. He'll have that game where it's like, oh, my God, everything's coming together. And then it's back to reality, the next game, the next couple games, which is why he keeps getting, he keeps knocking around the league, bumping around the league. He's been, I don't even know how many teams he's been on now. You got New York, Houston, FC Dallas, uh, Chicago, Columbus, now Toronto. There's a reason he keeps making, uh, bumping around the league, bouncing around the league, is because you have these flashes of of amazing play, and then and then they disappear. So, 
this game, Toronto FC should have won this game. They should have won this game. They had they had multiple chances to make it 2-0, mm-hmm. really take control of the game in the first half, and they couldn't do it. Credit to Sporting Kansas City uh, you know, to get that job done, especially a man down last 10 minutes. And Dom Dwyer, the all-star snub with the beautiful back heel pass on the winning goal. Uh, Jacob Peterson with the nice finish, and uh, yeah, man, Casey's looking, looking. They look like champions. They look I, like champions. I, I got to say though, I, I was excited about this trade that Toronto made for Dominic Oduro. I, I just think that he's going to fit very well into their system and the way they play, and especially their style of play, quick counter up the wings. I mean, think about this: in eight games that he's played for Toronto FC, two goals, zero goals with the Columbus Crew in this one. But but the big thing from this game, Ivis, was the officiating. Michael Bradley went off after the game. Is this just sour grapes, and is this just a very frustrated Toronto FC squad that looks like they have it, but they're just a half step behind? I mean, you look at Toronto FC, Ivis, they they have not looked good in their last seven games, one win in their last seven games. Was so this just frustration from Michael? I know he hasn't played all these seven games, but is this just frustration from Toronto FC, or, or do they have a serious argument with, with the officiating? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it did come off a bit of sour grapes because, you know, as much as Bradley, you know, he was quoted as saying, uh, you know, it shouldn't come across as sour grapes, because it, but it did. That's a, It's, you know... If you choose to say this after you've lost the game, then yes, it will come off as sour grapes, no matter how you, whether you wanted to or not. And look, this isn't this isn't news that the referees are the the officiating in MLS needs to improve. I agree with I agree wholeheartedly with that, and I think everyone agrees. I don't think I don't know many people who sit here and say, look, the referees in MLS are the best in the world, or they're great, or they're you know they're better than Europe, they're better. You know, no, no one says that. The referees. Uh, you know, there's a lot of suspect officiating going on in MLS, no doubt about it. But yeah, it, it, it felt a little bit like sour grapes. There were bad calls both ways in this one. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, for me, the Beasler second yellow, I thought was a little suspect. I thought Dominic Aduro completely, completely sold it. You know, I thought you know Beasler came in on the challenge, and all of a sudden Aduro's flying in the air. So well, uh, and a red card could have been called on Colin earlier in the game. Right. So for I mean, taking out Gilberto on a clear goal scoring opportunity. You know, these calls balance out over the course of a season. And I think that's where uh, I I know sometimes – I mean, you'd like to think that they balance out. And I know some people will always say, no, they don't. Or our team gets no calls and this and that. But I don't know. It's – I think they're – I think the blame – if they want to blame anybody, they should – if TFC wants to blame anybody for that loss, blame themselves. Because you know what? It wasn't the referee's fault that Nick Nick Hagelin's shot hit at the post. It wasn't the referee's fault – Dominic Aduro's shot hit the post. It wasn't anyone else's fault that they didn't finish chances that they created. Mm-hmm. They didn't finish. If you don't want the referee involved, finish your chances. You know that's what it comes out to. So I, I don't know. I feel, it, it's, it seems a little, a little bit like sour grapes. Well, it, that match definitely had one of those where the, the more Toronto couldn't score, you just felt like Sporting Kansas City was going to score in this game. It just had that sense. But now Sporting Kansas City. Four-match winning streak, pulling away in the Eastern Conference. Them and D.C. United pulling away. And then you pretty much have a, a huge pile of the rest of the teams competing uh, for the for those final three playoff spots. And speaking of one of those teams competing for one of those playoff spots, Columbus Crew, they go on the road. They defeat New England Revolution, who uh, we haven't a chance to talk about the slide that New England's on. Um, pretty bad for them. But Federico Higuain with a goal. Ethan Finley, goal. Gorgeous assist from uh, Justin Miram. But, I mean, Ivis, since you left for the World Cup, New England has gone into a tailspin. What what is going on up there? I couldn't tell you. I wish I knew. I mean, I was in Brazil. when I was in Brazil. I wasn't watching MLS. I you know obviously I couldn't watch MLS. Um, 
But uh, it's unbelievable. When I left, I tell you what, when I left, uh, the Revs looked. Uh, they looked unstoppable. They looked, and we know it's MLS. You know, team. No team is was gonna stay on the run that they went on. Mm-hmm. And, and for those who don't remember, they they were six zero and one. They'd won five in a row. They went down to DC, beat DC, and 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 you know the last time I saw them in person, I saw them uh, you know beat Philadelphia. They beat them five three at PPL Park, and, and I, I wrote a story about that. And it's funny because I remember Jay De, uh, Jay Demary. I remember Jay Heaps after that match telling me that you know it's MLS. There's going to be ups and downs, and <laughs> who knew that the down that was coming was going to be so dramatic? And it's crazy. I mean, it's uh, it's just. You know, it's hard to explain. I haven't watched them play uh, during this stretch, so I'm going to have to go into the archives now that I'm back and start looking at some of these games to really get a sense of what's going wrong there. So, like, uh, you know, I, I couldn't begin to tell you. I mean, I know one thing. When I, you know, before things, uh, before I left, and we, even when they were winning, I, uh, I remember earlier in the season thinking, you know what, I think they need a defensive midfielder. They need I, a, they need I said that. But you can I go in our arc. You know, Garrett, <laughs> you realize that our shows are recorded, right? You realize our shows are there and they're out there for public consumption. Anyone who listens to our show can easily look that, listen and know that I've said Andy Dorman is not a defensive midfielder. Now, they got away with that earlier. Yeah, they got year. away with it for a long time. So uh, maybe that's why. <laughs> I, I like that could be a problem there. That could be, uh, you know, that could be an issue. There. But again, like I said, I haven't watched. I have to watch. Time to sit down with the MLS Live account and start looking at some of these games uh, and figure out what's going on there. Because I tell you what, they looked so good uh, back in May, back in April and May. They looked, they looked amazing. But you know, it's MLS. There's always going to be streaks. Just didn't expect this uh, a streak this bad. Well, to, to me, New England needs some some physicality. I mean, they need someone to but to boss the midfield. And you're right, they need a holy mid. But the one surprising stat that, that I take from this game, New England had 15 corners in this game, and they did score in one corner with AJ Soares. But you have 15 corners, and you can only convert on one. And it's not like Columbus is this tallest team in the world. New England just needs to be way more efficient in the final third. It, it's just shocking. I mean, and the, but the crazy thing with the East, I was, New England's still in contention for a playoff spot after going on this insane run. So, so the season is not lost. They can still turn it around. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they've only scored four goals in this eight-game losing streak. So, I mean, that tells you right there that, the, that they're just, uh, you know, and just to put it in perspective, I mean, they scored eight goals in two games when they beat uh, Seattle and they beat uh, – actually, they scored ten goals. Do you remember that? They won 5-0, 5-3. They put up, yeah. a couple, they put up nickels in two straight games, and, and you were just looking at them like, what is going on there? Um, I, 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 I have no idea what's going on there. It's crazy. Uh, but like you said, it's MLS. It, all it takes is one signing. Uh, if you help address the, a need that, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's troubling you, or, or that's an issue, and and if it is, if the if they need a defensive midfielder, there is one currently looking for work, and who wants to play at MLS by the name of Jermaine Jones, maybe someone at New England might want to put a call in, because I'll tell you what, if New England got Jermaine Jones, oh yeah, that, I mean that 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 right there would uh, that that would be a game changer. But again, who knows? Who knows if they want to spend the money? New England doesn't exactly have the the the, the track record of, of wanting to spend the big bucks. Yeah. I, d- Jermaine Jones will be outstanding for them. Uh, Real Salt Lake, Ivis picked up a a big one, 3-1 to one over the Montreal Impact. I said this against Portland. I mean, Montreal, 
as bad as they've looked all season, I thought they looked good against Real Salt Lake. They gave him some fits. Luke Mahollin, we talked about him. I mean, what a pickup for Real Salt Lake. They just seemed to find these guys out of nowhere. He he scored for them in the third minute. And then we had an Olmis Garcia sighting in the second half. He scored a snap header in the 70th minute, put the game on ice in the 93rd minute, and just uh, a huge win for Real Salt Lake. Uh, it's crazy to think that after that start they won on this season, that, that we'd be at this point of the season saying that this is a game that they had to win. I'm a little distracted right now because Jermaine Jones just tweeted out a picture of uh, of him with Paris Hilton. This guy's killing me with the, his Instagram celeb photos are killing me. He's killing I, I, I got I got to check this right now. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, and he even wrote it out. A nice house party yesterday from the Paris from Paris Hilton before she fly out to Ibiza today. He's just he is just he's loving it. He is just eating it up, man. He is eating it up. Yeah, I tell you what. At this rate, he's gonna play. He's gonna play for Chivas USA for like you know 100 grand. I guess he's just gonna want to stay living in LA and and living a celeb lifestyle. I don't know. <laughs> this picture's hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean either either he is really partying his, his, his partying his butt off in LA, or he's like taking up uh, Photoshop as a hobby because it's amazing. First it was Charlie Sheen, then it was Tyga and Chris Brown. And then it was, uh, and now forget Paris Hilton. This is amazing. This is hilarious to me. This is like, I hope he keeps it going. This is like a new, this is going to be, this, a mem is going to come out of this. I got to believe it. There's going to be a mem coming out of this. <laughs> he has a few more. He's here, Mike Tyson. He's here with Mike Tyson. Oh, did, did I miss the Mike Tyson? You missed the Mike Tyson one. He's also here with Matt Barnes, very good NBA player. Um, what else? Who else? I can't see anyone else. Oh, I think this is Paul Gasol. He's here with Paul Gasol. Loving it, dude. Look at Jermaine Jones, dude. He was in Dodgers jersey. Dude, yeah, he, he needs to sign with Chivas USA, man. Or or not Chivas USA, the new uh, Los Angeles FC. Is that what they're going to be called next year? Matt Barnes. I, I'm i sorry. I'm uh, <laughs> Jermaine Jones, his, his social media game is, is on a new level. This is great. All right. We're all distracted now. I blame Jermaine Jones. So we were talking about Real Salt Lake. Right? Yeah. Well, there's, an, there's another one for you. Another team that, you know, they went from they can't lose to they lost four of six. And now, you know, maybe are they starting to climb. Now that they've got Beckerman and Ramondo back, mm-hmm. they're starting to climb back out of this. And, uh, you know, obviously Montreal's the, the, the league whipping boy. So they got, the, <laughs> they, they got their three points there. And, and so, like, with that amazing start, they're right there. They're still in second place. Seattle's uh, running away with it right now. Seattle's got a six-point lead and two games in hand on Real Salt Lake, so I, I, I really don't see anyone catching Seattle. Games in, games in hand mean nothing until you play them, Ivis. Come on, you know that. I agree, but when you already have the point lead, the points lead, having games in hand is pretty good because then That's that true. means the other team doesn't have games in hand. So you have four points. You know, Seattle's four points. Actually, no, there's six points ahead. Mm-hmm. Six, six with two ahead games, yeah. With two games ahead. So they could even just, like, draw those two games, and then, and you're talking about an eight-point eight point gap. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, they're sitting pretty right now. But Salt Lake, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, they keep getting it done. Javier Morales, uh, he's going to be big. You want to see him finish this, the regular season out strong. And having Kyle Breckman back has to, has to obviously, obviously be big for them. We also like. I'm sure we'll be fine. Uh, um, excuse me, Colorado Rapids. Uh, they defeated Chivas USA on Pablo Mastoreni night. Colorado. I mean, very good victory for them. Nick LaBrocca, What a goal from him! Opening goal from him. Uh, Gabby Torres scores a goal in this one. And Chivas USA went on a little bit of a run. They've come down to earth, which. 
I mean, that's kind of how Chivas USA is. They just they just seem to be just there, but they're not there. But, uh, I mean, Colorado Ivis continuing to look good. Pablo, possibly coach of the year. I think he is a finalist. I think if, if the season ended right now, if, it's in the, if the season ended today, I think you'd have to say, uh, you know, you, you got to go Matt. For me, you got to go Matt Strani. Uh I think you have to you got to give Ben Olsen his due and put him in there as well. Uh, and then, you know what, Siggy Schmidt. I know Seattle has a ton of talent, but it's not always easy to put it all together. And he's done a great job with a completely transformed roster. Help, he's helped put that together, and, and they're playing great. So I, I think that's your three. I, I did have a chance to watch the, uh, this Colorado game. And the Rapids, man. They, Dude, they got some they, talent, man. They, they do. And Dude. the interesting the, – the thing about the Rapids is, they ha- like you said, they have the quality. They, they, they have – Depth. They've, they, you know, their roster is pretty. Uh, from top to bottom, is full of guys who can step in and play. But at, at times, you almost feel like, you know, does my, do they uh, rotate too much? You know, do they, do they? You know, on one hand, you think, okay, yeah, that's going to keep guys fresh. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, does they, are they going to find a continuity there? Are they going to settle on a, on a really strong eleven, or is he going to keep rotating? But the results have been there for them, so it's kind of hard to argue. You know, they they've done well. They've uh, you know what are they four? They're four, two, and three. Uh, you know, they've only got two losses in their last nine, so they, they've done pretty well. Credit to Mastrini. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of the young players, some, some of the young talent on that team. Marlon Harrison, I got to say, I didn't think in year one he he would he would be a guy who could really make an impact. But I, I I've liked what I've seen from him. Uh, I like you know. Dylan Cerna a lot, man. Cerna, that, that, Cerna, dude, Cerna's legit. Cerna's that kid legit. has some serious potential. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I really like watching him play. Yeah, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a youth national team guy, and uh, you know, he. I, I think it's funny. I remember the opening game of the season. Uh, I remember, and, and I remember talking to talking to Mastroni after after they played the Red Bulls, and, and he said then he's like, "Look, I'm going to commit to playing young guys. I feel like the young American player needs to be given the opportunity." Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's, he's the proof's in the pudding. You know, he's, he's shown that, you know, whether it's Jared Watts, Hairston, uh, John Berner, you know, stepping in when, when uh, uh, Clint Earl was hurt. Uh, Master Randy, to his credit, has given young players the opportunity to sink or swim, to impress. And CERN has been one of the guys to benefit from that. So uh, you like what you're seeing from a player development standpoint there in Colorado. But at the same time, you ask yourself, is this team... Is he get it? It does this team have a lineup that's going to be able to win a title? And I, I'm not completely sold on that. Well, are you so, talking? Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking this year? Well, you know, they're right there in the playoff race. They're, you know, they're, they're going to try to grab one of those top three spots, uh, right for third with FC Dallas in the West, uh, with a game in hand. So, you know, they're in a pretty good spot. But that's just if I have a question about the Rapids, it's that mm-hmm. it's at what point is Mashwini going to kind of settle in on an 11? And really ride them into the playoff or ride them toward the playoffs because you need that. I feel like you need, the teams that win, the teams that are perennially strong teams, have a lineup identity. And I think the Rapids, you know, it's great to have depth. It's great to have a lot of options. It's great to give young players playing time. But at a certain point in the season, you got to kind of start with uh, 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 shrinking that rotation a bit. And that's going to be the test, I think, for match winning. And the Major League Soccer All-Star roster came out. That is the team that is going to be taken on Bayern Munich next week up in Portland. 
Uh, for the most part, you can understand why certain guys are on the list. But, of course, Ivis, there's people always going to be talking about the snubs, though. But uh, when you saw the roster, you saw some of the guys that were on there. Uh, what was your immediate reaction uh, to the roster that Major League Soccer put out, Caleb Porter and uh, Don Garber? Well, when you look at, at the at the way Caleb Porter put the group together, I don't think there were any uh, real surprises. I mean, I think people were obviously going to be surprised about Dom Dwyer not making it, but... I think you had to expect that somebody wasn't going to make it uh, among the attacking players, given given the number of attacking players having out, uh, outstanding seasons. So somebody was going to miss out. Dom Dwyer ended up miss, uh, being the one to miss out. Um, I think he's obviously the kind of the biggest snub of the group. But um, you know, when you look at it, you obviously understand the fans' picks, uh, and then Porter kind of has to build around that. Mm-hmm. And then you had the commissioner's picks, obviously, which made sense. You had one. Yeah, Diego Valeri being the hometown kind of, or the you know the the Portland player, and then you have Eric Torres having an, an amazing year uh, for Chivas USA. So those made sense. Um, I think people should just understand that the the All Star roster isn't really a roster of the twenty three players having the best seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think obviously that'd be ideal, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone can tell me that Landon Donovan's having one of the best seasons in the league. I, I don't see that, and you know, I think there were a couple others that I looked at it and was like. I get it. I understand why the guy was picked. So, you know, you, you kind of go with it. Even a DeAndre Yedlin, right? I mean, is De- has DeAndre Yedlin had one of the best seasons in the league this year? No, not not even close. But you know what? At the end of the day, Porter has to put a roster together. has to put a lineup together. and has to try to, you know, really, uh, challenge Bayern Munich. And I think he's got some uh, interesting pieces to put a really strong team out there. Uh, even though they're looking at the roster, I don't see any left back on the squad. Uh, I don't know if that's going to get addressed or what, but uh, you know, you like to hope that, you know, Porter puts together a lineup that's, that's going to be able to compete with Byron and, and make it an interesting game for the fans there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I mean, it would have been nice to see Don Dwyer in there. He can make some other cases for, uh, I mean, I thought Fabian is, is Fabian Espindola has had a good season for DC United. Harry Ship has had a good season. Joel Plata for Real Salt Lake, but it's the All Star Game, so can't gotta take it with a grain of salt with some of these guys. More importantly, Ivis, you and I will. I mean, you're going to be up in Portland, but I just booked my trip, so uh, we, we got to start getting part. We got to start getting this SBI party uh, planned right now. I don't know if it's going to be a party party. I mean, you got to remember these are the early early part of the week. Uh, we're going to get there. I get there Sunday. So we'll have, you know, the game is on Wednesday, so obviously you can't really do anything around the game, but that leaves Monday and Tuesday. Um, there are obviously already festivities being planned that, you know, we're going to have to be a part of as well. But I think we might try to put together a little get-together um, in Portland. Uh, we're looking at a few different spots. Uh, not, nothing too formal, but, you know, maybe we'll pick a, pick a good bar uh, in downtown and, and, and have hopefully have some, some listeners and some SBI readers come out and, come out and hang out with us so you know we're, we're going to be sbi is going to be fully represented we're going to have i'll be there franco paniza will be there garrett will be there uh mike donovan our portland timbers writer will be mm-hmm. uh obviously he's he, you know he's in portland so you know what it, it'll be good to get get everybody together and and uh all-star game and uh and mls cup are always great for that you know just to, you know for the people who make the trip out and uh, it's a chance to get to see people from all over the league, so it should be a good, uh, you know, good week, a fun week. I'm looking forward to, it, dude. I, I've never been to Portland before, so I mean, you you go there all the time, so I mean, you're gonna have to be my tour guide. Yeah, I'll get I'll give you the tour. You know, 
we got hopefully we'll have some time to to, to make the rounds and uh, enjoy some of the fine cuisine and check out some of the good bars and and some of the so some of the good haunts and obviously you're gonna have to have your voodoo donuts and uh you know a couple other different places we'll check out so it's it's a good time and i you know you almost want, wish you could spend the whole week there i'll be there from sunday till thursday night so uh, you know i tried to squeeze out as, as as long a trip as possible i hear there till thursday night oh man i'm there i get there monday night so i'm gonna have to meet up with you guys at whatever bar you guys are at hopefully by that point someone's already bought you a cosmopolitan or something <laughs> i'm still waiting i'm still waiting i have yet to have that first cosmo uh you know be i'm a, and just for the record i am a jacket coat guy uh, the the whole uh, Cosmo thing is is the running joke from Garrett. The, I think I think he's. What are you offering people to be the first to buy me a, a Cosmo? Nothing. It's it's a surprise, dude. I can't. We can't. I can't disclose that information on the show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But someone needs to do it. I just want to see someone do it. I need to be visible. I need to witness this. I just need to see someone come up with with the huge, you know, like just shit eating grin on their face and go, "Here you go, Ivis," because I know you're going to be like. Because you won't be pissed, but I, I, your reaction will be hilarious. <laughs> I don't even know. I've never had a Cosmo. I don't know what one tastes I like, but I guess, I guess I'll be obligated to drink it if it comes. I've never had one either. Yeah, right. You've definitely had a Cosmo. No, I, I haven't, dude. <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking, I don't even know what's in it. I'm, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm guessing what vodka's in it. I have no idea. Here, I'll tell you right now. It's, it's vodka, triple second cranberry juice with a sweet lime. Oh, that sounds pretty good, actually. It sounds like uh, <laughs> it sounds like Franco's favorite drink. Actually, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> no, I, he's a he's a vodka cranberry guy personally. But. Oh, isn't that a Cape Cod? Uh, yeah, you know what though, I'm uh, I'm I'm transitioning him over to Jack and Coke. He's uh, he's growing up, so we'll see. You know what I actually like? I like a Greyhound, which I believe is uh, grapefruit juice and vodka. I do like that a lot, actually. But like fresh grapefruit juice, that just sounds good. terrible. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah it's funny uh, when I was in Brazil, I. Uh, uh, generally, I'm a Jack and Coke guy, but when I travel, um, especially Latin America, I, I, I go with Johnny. Johnny Walker is just more available than Jack, so I usually go with Johnny Walker. A little bit sweeter whiskey, pretty good, but uh, but yeah. So I, I've had a lot of jo- uh, a lot of Johnny Walker uh, on this trip to Brazil. Uh, well, I guess the final thing before we close out the show, Americans abroad. Not too much on that front, but Freddie Adu has signed with a team in Serbia. Uh, the journey has ended for him. I mean, he's been pretty much everywhere um, on trial or training, doing whatever it is that he's doing. But, I mean, he lands in a club with Serbia. So, for Freddie Adu, it's, uh, I mean, look, it's 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 good to see him playing. Thoughts on this? Well, that, that, you, you said it right there. I mean, it comes down to the fact that he needs to go somewhere and start playing regularly again and get 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 his career headed back in a positive direction. And I know a lot of people were looking at the move and thought, you know, oh, what is this? This is this is terrible. This is tragic. Why is he going to Serbia? He should be going here, there. You know what? Yeah, you know, he had some options. And, and you know, they, they, they weren't the most glamorous options. Obviously, uh, I think he's going to have his next step's going to be uh, a smaller league. And, and, and there were a few different European leagues that they were interested in. Uh, and he chose uh, this this team that you know has been in the Europa League the last couple of years, and and, and uh, you know if he can get regular playing time, that's the first step. And and if he can put it together a good year and hopefully build some momentum, because again, remember when he signed in Turkey, when he when he went to tur- the Turkish second division, uh, you know people looked at that and thought, oh, this is this is like bottom. This is the bottom of the barrel. This is what is he doing? And actually, that time at Rizespor with the Turkish second division team really helped. 
kind of rejuvenate his career. He because he did well there. He was able to focus on the soccer. He was played played well. Played himself onto the U.S. Gold Cup team back in 2011, and 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 then parlayed that into a, a DP contract in uh, in MLS with the Union. So you know what? As much as you know, it's not a glamorous sign, a glamorous move. You know, going to Serbia, uh, you know, European backwater, quote unquote. But what matters is playing. What matters is playing time. Mm-hmm. He's he's still only, I believe he's 25 years old now. Turned 25 in June. Uh, he still has years ahead of him, and if he can make the most of this move, then maybe you know he starts taking steps towards heading, having his career go in a good direction. Because let's face it, the last two years have been a disaster in terms of playing time. Uh, you know, going to Brazil that didn't work out, and now he's spent the last six months looking for work, and you know hasn't been able to la- uh, latch latch on anywhere. So I think it's just a first step, and and I know people, I know there's there's obviously people who want to throw dirt on him and, and his career already, but. I don't get that. I, I mean, I think it. You know, he's obviously been through a lot. He's been. He's been. You know, I think he's been a dozen teams at this point. Um, you want to see him just have a chance to play and 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 start to build back up because the you know here's a guy who has the skill and has the quality, has shown that through the years he, uh, that he has good technical quality, and you know what, if he ends up in the right situation, maybe he can start showing that a little more. And before we close out the show, we have the SBI Q&A. As always, everyone, you can send your questions in on Twitter using hashtag AskTheSBIShow at any time. Ivis and I will always check. First question comes from The Pigeon. Does SBI do a fantasy Premier League? If not, Ivis, you should. Uh, we will do one. Uh, I got to admit, I don't, you know, in the past we've had them, and then it's just we don't keep track of them. I don't keep track. I don't really keep track of my lineup. Um which is already happening in MLS with me at the World Cup. I, I totally didn't touch my lineup the entire the last two months, and I pretty much raised the white flag on, on this year. But no, we'll we'll set one up. We'll set a league up for sure. Uh, next question comes from Goose Chances. Uh, Chances, excuse me, Darlington Nagby. Nagby. Oh my God, can't talk. Gets called up to the U.S. Men's National Team once he has citizenship. Oh, I think it's it's a lock. I mean, the guy is so good. You know, he's one of the most exciting. Uh, players uh, in the league. And actually, when I did my projecting the uh, uh, 2018 U.S. team, I, I believe I had him in the starting lineup. So that, that gives you an idea just how I, highly I rate him and how highly I think most people who really follow the league closely rate him. I mean, he's he's that good a player. Uh, before we get to 2018, Caro wants to know, he says, I know it's silly, but give me your best guess at the starting 11 in Copa America 2016. Jeez. Uh, okay, Brad Guzan in goal. Um, I'll go DeAndre Fabian, Edlin. Oh, shut up, Fabian, <laughs> Fabian Johnson at left. Fabian Johnson at left back. Uh, John Brooks and uh, Matt Beasler center backs. Uh, Yedlin at right back. Um, Michael Bradley and Will Trap in the midfield. Ooh, we'll mix it up a little bit. Will yeah. Trap, young young talent. Uh, in the center of the park, um, and then on the wings, we'll go. Uh, man, I hadn't really thought about this at all. Uh, I guess we got to put Gr- Julian Green somewhere. We'll put Julian Green because um, we got to go youth. We got to go with the young guys. Uh, Julian Green on the left. Who's on the right? Oh, man, I hadn't thought about it. I got to think. Joe Jow. I'll go Joe Jow on the right. Uh, I don't think. I don't know if Nagby will be a citizen just yet, but uh, we'll go. We'll go Dempsey Altador. 
And is that 11? <laughs> is that 11 or not? I lost count. He told me to shut up, so I can't, I can't jump in on this. All right. Well, there you go. I think that's if, if that's 11, that's 11. And then obviously Aaron Johansson will be in the conversation as well. Mm, well, I think your list is horrible. Uh, next question comes from Benjamin Harold. I think 2022 might be the year we actually have the players to play the way we all want them to play. Thoughts? Well, I think there are a lot of talented and skilled midfielders in the pipeline. Uh, when you want to talk about from the age 15 to 20, that range, uh, there's a lot of really interesting pro- prospects, intriguing prospects that uh, you'd like to think that of out of all those guys, out of all the, you know, what Christian Pulisic and Rubio Rubin, Junior Flores and, uh, you know, uh, Emerson, he- Emerson Heinemann, uh, all these young talents, you'd like to think that, you know, a couple of them will be good enough to, to make that transition and, and be impact players on the international level. Um, eight years from now, you figure, yeah, they'll, they'll be in their primes. And, and, and hopefully out of that group, we're going to have a few guys that can help the U.S. team finally uh, have that kind of midfield that has the skill to keep the ball, has the skill to control games because, you know, we haven't really seen that. So hopefully that happens. Uh, next question comes from Bar- Brian Abernathy. Thoughts on the homegrown player game? Good idea, but I feel like they're reaching with some selections. Well, I mean, I think it, when it comes down to it, you, you you only have but so many homegrown players. And I think if you don't have enough players, uh, what I don't like, I don't like the whole playing against Portland's U23s or whatever they, they've decided to do. Uh, for me, I would I would have tried to do something with homegrowns against rookies, uh, against non-homegrown rookies. Maybe have, have you know, the guys that were in the draft. Jeez. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, think about it. no. Cause, and like, I like it, but you just the the debate on both sides would just be <laughs> would be just so funny. Well, that's better than playing U twenty. The well, I think it's stupid. That they should have done. Well, they should have done like a rookie versus sophomore game, what the NBA does. I like that. I would have preferred that. I like that too. But you know what? I, I think you know what if you if you have uh, yeah if you have the homegrown against the uh, against the. Uh, MLS rookies. There's enough rookies to, to make a to make a team, and you know you got a lot of a, a lot of guys who who you could showcase in, in, in a match like that. I mean, you have John Burner in goal, uh, Andre Blake it'd be it'd be the backup. Um, I got to think about it now. I'm, I do not have my full MLS uh, microchip in my brain yet. I, you know, obviously I was disconnected from MLS for a while, so I got to. I got to think about it, but there's a lot of guys. Tesho Akindele, who's, who's doing really well now as a rookie. Eric Miller up in Montreal. Uh, this, this, uh, Patrick Mullins. So, I mean, you could have put together, I, I'm pretty sure you can put together uh, a, a team of, of, of rookies uh, that aren't homegrowns. And I think that would have been better. And, 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 and you have a chance to showcase a lot of these guys who, who, you know, who are going to be the, the, you know, the future of the league. Uh, last question comes from Robert Paul Moreira. Uh, just wondering what the National Training Center in Kansas City will mean to U.S. men's national team trainings in California. I just think it gives you more options. I, I think now, obviously, uh, in a more central location, I think you're going to see you know uh, the U.S. team train there a bit more often. Again, you have to look at weather as well. Uh, obviously, Having the facility in KC is all well and good, but uh, you know the the great thing about LA is LA you can go any time of the year, mm-hmm. and the weather's going to be fine, and you're going to be able to train there. So obviously Kansas City, you're not going to go train in KC from uh, November to you know March probably. So uh, you know I think it's going to give uh, Klinsman and, and the coaches and on the youth levels uh, a few more options, but I don't think I don't think you've seen the end of of of, of US teams training in LA. I, I agree with you on that. I, I think this country is way too big to be having 
just one in Florida. I mean, there's also the one in Florida. I think this country, I mean, it's not also for the U.S. I mean, it's for youth development. It's for coaches earning licenses, which is smart. This country's huge. And I think having multiple training centers, one in L.A., one in Kansas City, and then bumping up the one in Florida even more, I think this is smart, and I think it's good. I, I got to agree, man. I think it's great for the uh, for the development of, of U.S. Uh, soccer as a whole. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. Before we close everything out, we had, we covered a lot of bases. We've been on a show in a while, in three weeks. So, I mean, do, do we forget anything? Do we miss anything? Is there anything on, on burning that you need to, to talk about? Uh, I'm sure we missed some stuff, but, you know, we'll, we'll get back on it and uh, hopefully have a show on Thursday. Um, I think it'll be a bit before we really get in the full swing of things and get and start having guests again. I think next week you and I will be in Portland, so we'll you know, hopefully have a chance to, to maybe get some guests on and have a chance to talk, talk to some players while, while we're out there. So definitely looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Portland, man. It's going to be a good time. Well, Ivis, man, it's, uh, it's late for you, so I'll, I'll let you get some sleep, dude, and uh, we'll catch up later this week. All right, sounds good. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the SBS Show. Ivis and I will be back again on Friday morning talking U.S. soccer, MLS, and more. This is the SBS Show.